Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, what's up? Welcome to episode 123 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. How is everyone doing tonight? It is a Wednesday night tonight, a special Wednesday night edition of Mr. Benfica. I'll be honest, I'm recording this on Tuesday, but you're getting it on Wednesday. And I'm sure by now you hear that playing in the background. My friends, that is sweet, sweet music. That is the anthem of none other than the UEFA Champions League. Benfica are going back to the Champions League. It feels like it's been forever. It's only been a season. But it feels like it was so long ago. And this time, I feel like Benfica are going there to do business. And by business, I mean on the pitch, not by putting the kids in the shop window. But of course... You already know that, and if you don't know that, well. If you haven't figured out by now, okay, um, well, you're probably living under a rock, because if you're watching my show, you definitely watch the game. If you're listening to my podcast, you definitely know Benfica pull off the result. Was it pretty? No. And if... You watched my pregame show that I went live on before kickoff, okay? You heard me absolutely lose my mind. Absolutely lose my mind. But you know what? JJ was a step ahead. 
and it comes time when you have to tip your hat to somebody and JJ to you you got it right today okay and in the closing minutes of this match if the light bulb went off from my head I was so angry about a Delta app starting but the light bulb went off in my head and it all made sense I had a moment of clarity a come to George Zouj moment if you want if you will and I know not everybody that likes my show likes him and I know not everybody that likes my show agrees with me on Adele Terapt, okay? But I, it all made sense. JJ and his staff know, knew, I should say, the fitness levels of their players. They knew they were going to have to make all five substitutions. They knew that there was a higher than normal possibility of extra time tonight. Okay? Um, just so you know... It is, I finally come down. It is 10.34 p.m. here in Boston, the east coast of the United States, Eastern Time, which means in Portugal right now, it is 3.34 a.m., okay? It is Tuesday night when I'm recording this. You're not going to get this till Wednesday because, well, I don't want to go head-to-head. The, the, the reason was I don't want to go head-to-head up against my good friends at Benfica After 90 or my good friends at Benfica Podcast. They're both going live at this time. This is their night. They, they always go live. I don't. I don't do the post-game thing the way they do too often. Okay? I, I did not want to go live at the same time as them. I don't want my audience or our audience. We share so many of the same uh, listeners, so many of the same followers. And I don't want to divide it. And... I, um, I'm recording now only because I won't be here Wednesday to record live on Wednesday. So I'm recording now to, to put it out to you live on Wednesday. So happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. Happy middle of the week. Befica are in the Champions League, as I was saying. And Jorge Jesus got this one right, as I was saying. A better than usual possibility for FC time. Okay. Um, against a very informed opponent. Okay, and we were one crossbar away from going to extra time. Okay, and it all made sense to me when Joel Mario had to come out. Okay, one because he was spent, two because he was booked. I said to myself, "There it is." Had a Delta Rap not started the match, George Zouj might have been forced to put a Delta Rap in at that point where his defensive frailties would have even been more magnified, okay? And listen, Adele had an Adele-type match, okay? Terapt was Terapt. He nearly he nearly put us ahead with a, again, a Zidane-like run, beating three, four players, and then failing the pass. That would have put Yarimchuk in. However, the ball still sprung around in that area there, and we nearly got a shot off. We just couldn't couldn't get that final delivery that final poke onto someone's foot where they could get that half yard of space and get that wind, you know, that little peek at goal and maybe get it on net the way Rafa did in the first leg. It was just that little bit of space that it just went outside the reach of the goalkeeper. But that didn't happen tonight. But Adele nearly did the dirty work to put us ahead 1-0. And I was ready to eat crow. No question about it. I was ready to to, 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 sit, to do a mea culpa. I never have a problem with that, especially when it's in the positive. But uh, he had a rough night uh, outside of a couple of plays like that. A lot of lost balls again. Again, 
um, forcing Weigel to just be everywhere. And Weigel had a monstrous game tonight. No else was monstrous. And I talked about this. Those of you that tuned in and watched my pregame show, those of you that listened to the previous podcast, even in the first leg, I said the key matchup, Medueke versus Grimaldo. And to my pleasant surprise, Alejandro Grimaldo won that 1v1 battle tonight. The man was a giant. I mean, I think JJ had him watching Paolo Maldini videos since, you know, all for a week. He found his inner defender tonight. He was great defending 1v1. He was great positionally. We gave them nothing on the flank tonight. What a performance by this entire team. What a team team performance. That is the key word in this one. This second leg was all about the team. Everyone played well. Everyone did their part. Odie was huge. Odie was huge. By the way, JJ, I think you watched my pregame show because I loved that you did not pull that back line up so far. They were retreated. They were right where I wanted them to play. And you see, they made it a lot harder. Yes, PSV got through one or two times. Maybe three or four. But for the most part, our back line kept PSV in front of them. Which is so important when they got that kind of pace. And we don't. Um, but boy, were we tested. Well, I said we were going to be tested, but I never could have imagined this. And I'm feeling the way I felt years ago now. After the nil-nil in Turin against Juventus at the Juventus Arena. In that semifinal of the Europa League. JJ talked about it in the presser. Um... Let's cut, okay, on the podcast, you're going to cut to JJ in the post-game press. Before we run down the, the uh, before we run down the match, listen to some of his post-game comments here. He's being asked a question by, I'm presuming, a Dutch uh, reporter speaking pretty good Portuguese, um, using some of the Brazilian linguistics, but speaking clearly and speaking well, uh, talking about how he's never lost. JJ has never lost to a Dutch team, and this was news to JJ. He was not aware that he's never lost to a Dutch team. He turns to Benfica's press guy and says, we've never lost to a Dutch team. And, he's, and you know, the Schwanz is like, well, you haven't. And he was asked, what are the differences between the Dutch and the Portuguese teams and why he's had the success? And he doesn't even answer the question, to be honest. But he explains just how strong, just how good of an opponent this just was that Benfica um, eliminated a lot of Benfica Nation still does not have a grasp of how strong this PSV team is. They're going to go into the late stages of the Europa League. I don't doubt that for a minute. They're going to win the Dutch League this year, in my humble opinion. Um, unless something changes, they lose their form, or somebody leaves. That collection of players they have over there is going to win. But I'm going to tell you after we, after we pause here, I'm going to tell you why Benfica held on to this one. Okay, Um, we're going to take just a minute here so that you can, if you're listening on the podcast, you can hear JJ. Uh, If you're watching the video, take this moment to go subscribe to the channel on YouTube at Mr. Befica. All right, go to www.mrbefica.com. Check that out. Give it a hit and follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And follow the show at Benfica Mr. on Twitter or on Instagram at Mr. Befica. All right. Uh, if you're watching, it's only going to be a few seconds. If you're listening, here's JJ. So you're 
een show ook al een team de Hollandes kies al differentiaat van een equipe Hollandes en een equipe de Portugal. Nu kan perdemos. Hollandes. Não me lembro também. Não me lembro. Já tinha jogado aqui em Eindhoven. Já, já empatamos 2-2. As equipas inglesas, as equipas holandesas, na minha opinião, aquelas equipas holandesas que caracterizam-se, as duas, três melhores equipas holandesas, que todos sabemos quem é, são equipas muito fortes do ponto de vista técnico e tático, principalmente ofensivamente e esta equipa do, PS, do PSV é uma equipa das equipas mais fortes que eu até hoje joguei uh, uh, durante vários anos com equipas holandesas é uma equipa que individualmente é muito forte é uma equipa coletivamente muito bem trabalhada penso que o PSV tem um excelente treinador é um dos treinadores que eu reconheço que tem, tem muito valor um, e o Benfica hoje para ser daqui vencedor eliminar esta equipa holandesa teve que ser um, equipe, uma, um, um Benfica muito forte uh, já com os acontecimentos que aconteceram durante o jogo não é? do facto de termos menos um jogador ainda fez o Benfica ser uma equipa muito mais forte do, em termos defensivos porque fomos obrigados a defender mais, mais tempo e mais vezes o objetivo foi atingido e os jogadores do Benfica estão parabéns, merecemos toda a estrutura do futebol do Benfica merece porque o trabalho que temos vindo a fazer ao longo destes, deste ano e meio, que foi mais ou menos o tempo que eu estou aqui, que cheguei, merece que, que o Benfica esteja no palco de onde estão as melhores equipas do mundo e, e é para isso que trabalhamos. Okay, so there's JJ basically saying in Portuguese what I just told you before that he had said, okay, he explains how strong this team was, and he explains how Dutch football has three teams that are so strong individually, especially offensively, uh, and to beat them, you have to be just as strong, and Benfica were strong tonight, Benfica were strong across the 180 minutes, and quite honestly, despite, like I said, I don't think we were better, 11, you know, 1 through 11, I don't think we had the better team, I think maybe... Um, they get the edge by one or two guys, but it doesn't matter. What matters is who delivers and who who capitalizes on opportunities. And PSV did not capitalize on their opportunities in this 180 minutes in this tie. They certainly squandered too many opportunities in the first leg as well, but especially today, Zahavi putting it off of the crossbar. Um, that was the saving grace. But still, people, call saying we're lucky, okay? We're lucky in that instance. However... To say Benfica were lucky to advance is incorrect because that goal enough was not going to be enough to eliminate us. I know we were down to 10. That was not going to be enough to eliminate us. They would have still had to found another goal or gone through penalties. And why we advanced tonight and why this match ended nil-nil comes to the simple, simple uh, fact. Of, I'm going to answer this question for JJ. It's the slight difference in Portuguese and Dutch football. And is that the Portuguese, we are a little more willing to get dirty and a little more willing to play ugly. Okay. Now that I've seen as much of PSV as I have this early season, early going, okay. I've seen them against, uh, P I've seen them against Ajax. I've seen them against Heracles. 
and I saw them against, I forget who they played this past weekend. But it doesn't matter if they play Ajax or they play the bottom team in the, the Eredivisie. No team in the Netherlands, in the Dutch football, is going to come at them and line up in low, deep-lying blocks the way we did. We play against this every single weekend. We go play Roca. We go play, you know, Passage Trejeda. And I'm not saying this to insult anybody. We go play uh, Portimones. We're going to face two deep-lying blocks. We are. It's a fact of the matter. We see this all the time. What I saw tonight from PSV, especially when we went down to 10, okay, key change that JJ did, okay? Um, well, let, let's go into the lineups first, and then I'll get to that point when we get it because it happens so early. So I'll go into that point when the time, when we get to that point of the match. But here's the 11. Starting for uh, PSV tonight, Joel Drommel once again is the goalkeeper. Four in the back for for their manager, Roger Schmidt. And he's playing 4-2-1-3. Very attack-minded. Um, very attack-minded system of play. Very attack-minded um, methodology. Very attack-minded setup. Okay, four across the back. Philippe Mouigne is the right back. Uh, Ramayu is the center back along with Olivier Boscagli. And Philippe Max, the German, is the left back. The double pivot, not a double holding mid. A Portuguese person looks at this and calls it, a, if Benfica put this lineup out, I'd be reading on my on my tweet, you know, on my Twitter uh, timeline. I'd be reading from so many fans claiming that we're playing with a double holding mid. This is not a double holding mid. This is a double pivot. Okay, these two do not sit in front of the back four and just clear clear out all day. Okay, this is a double pivot. They're very dynamic. They move like this. They go wide. They go this way. Okay, they. This is not a double holding mid, but the double pivot is the captain Marco Van Ginkel and Ibrahim Sangare. In the, in the number 10 position, of course, is Mario Goza, who's a very, very good player still. He may not be a kid anymore, but he's still so, so talented. But but he was for four years. It was pointed out on CBS tonight on, on Paramount Plus here in the United States by the English commentator. Mario Goza was a teammate of Ulian Weigel's for four years at Borussia Dortmund. Okay, and Ulian Weigel was in his ascent at that time. Probably, I'm going to guess Ulian Weigel was in the second squad. Ulian Weigel, I'm sure, played head-to-head, you know, head -head, man-marking even, or, you know, one versus many one-versus-one situations against Mario Goza in training in those days. And I think uh, it showed because it looked like Ulian Weigel had Mario, had Mario Goza figured out today. Again, I thought we should have... I'll get to our, uh, what I thought we should have done in a minute. But the rest of the PSV uh, lineup on the attack, of course, Nani Madweke down the right. And um, today, he was completely uh, shut out of this match. And he some say he's still he's still in Grimaldo's back pocket right now. Uh, Aaron Sahavi is the striker. And Cody Gapko is the left-sided uh, forward. All right, for Benfica. 3-4-3 three, three, once again. Um, I like it. Some of you don't. I think this is the way we, we play best. I think this is the way we play safest. This is the way we concede less. People don't like it because it's not offensive enough. It's offensive plenty when we have the ball. When we don't, it's it's much more secure defensively. We saw that tonight. Okay. Granted, we did switch to a back four. But that, of course, is because we went down to 10 men. But... 
Uh, Odie gets the call and goal again, and there, like I've said now th- five times, there's no more question as to who the goalkeeper is. This guy is the goalkeeper. This guy is a big reason. That double save in stoppage time or just on the cusp of stoppage time is the reason we're playing in the group stage next month. Uh, he starts in goal. Lucas Verissimo, Nicolas Otamendi, and Moratu in the back. This is our three. I've said that. Um, Muratu is in there, and it's it's awesome, absolutely f- fantastic. What an ascent for a player who, not that long ago, was on our B team playing in the Portuguese second division. Fast forward three months, four months at the most, and he's he's going to the Champions League. He's starting on a Champions League side, um, and he he was fantastic once again. I was worried about that left side. We had it closed down, yo. We had it closed down between Morato, Weigel, and Grimaldo. Nothing came through there tonight. They got it figured out. All right, Alex Grimaldo, as we've said already, one of the better, best ones on the pitch tonight. One of the best players on the pitch tonight for the for Benfica and for either team uh, at left wing back. Gilberto gets the start at right wing back. Didn't surprise me. Some of you thought that Andre Almeida was going to play not with a three-man back line. Andre Almeida is not going to start. Uh, as a right wing back in a match like this, lacking fitness, lacking uh, routine, lacking repetition, he's not going to be expected to do the whole right side of the pitch like like uh, Gilberto was going to have to be asked to. So that um, that was the back five, the three five, you know, the flex there. Those were the ones that played in those defensive roles. Then you got. Julian Weigel and Adele Tarapt in in midfield. Okay. I I had this on uh, on the pregame show. You saw me go absolutely nuts, losing my mind at the notion of Adele Terapt playing from the start in a match where we don't need a goal. Okay, and some of you already are cringing. I know you're cringing when I say we didn't need a goal. What was the final result? It was nil nil. We advanced. Okay, we have to be realistic and understand that this is a possibility and this is one way to advance and we have to explore all options and all opportunities to advance in a tie like this. And as the match went on, it became more and more achievable and it became more and more um it became more and more probable even that this was going to go nil nil. Okay? Uh, so, in front of Adele and Weigel, we had João Mario and Rafa. João Mario more to the right, Rafa more to the left, playing behind the striker, Roman Yaremchuk. I said that I thought that Gonzalo should have started. I still kind of hold that down, but Gonzalo was key in the f- closing minutes in providing pressure and sinking in, cutting off the passing lanes out of the back, not allowing that su- dangerous, dangerous vertical pass that PSV's backline is so capable of. Um, Yarumchuk was just a little bit, uh, you know, unfortunate today. It's a tough, it's a tough um, ask to play alone in the front in a match like this, especially in a game where your team's not going to see much of the ball. Okay, and of course, circumstances within the game made that even more uh, of a difficulty. That is to to get the ball, to keep the ball. It became even more of a difficulty. And uh, so th- those were the 22 that start the match for the two sides. And early on, it is pretty cagey. Uh, both teams still kind of feeling each other out. Um, Lucas Verissimo goes into the referee's book very, very early. And let's see here. The referee tonight was 
and his name is not here. For some reason, uh, Fought Mob not listing the referee tonight. But um, this was in front of a crowd of 21,855. Uh, Verissimo goes into the referee's book in the seventh minute. That's way too early to get booked. And I saw my Twitter my Twitter feed blow up um, when this happened. I saw it, ha- I saw it blow up. Uh, I was, you know, thinking of the same thing all of you were. I said, it's a long time to go with a yellow card. And it's going to be a long night, I thought. And uh, normally, you know, I was worried pregame. I was worried about Otamendi picking up the card and getting in the situation. Wasn't so worried about Lucas, but Lucas Verissimo. Yellow card for a bad foul on on Cody Gapko. I don't know how. I don't know. I I don't think it's a yellow card. I, the commentator agreed with me uh, at the time, at least in English. Uh, possibly if I don't know what TV's commentator or what if you watch it on BTV, watch the replay after. Um, if you watch it on 2DNA or you watch it in wherever you live in whatever country you live in, whatever language uh, the match was called in that country, maybe they thought differently. But I know the English commentator here in the United States on Paramount Plus uh, said that he didn't feel that was a yellow card. I also agreed. But the referee put him in the book very, very early. And Benfica struggling to get going and. PSV attacking, attacking, attacking. Uh, we come to the 22nd minute, and they have their first real good opportunity. It is Philip Max, the German, with a left-footed shot from outside of the box, but saved by Odie. Odie knew he was going to work tonight. Odie was ready. He was locked in mentally. And like I said, the team did a good job of not making him do what he's less comfortable doing too many times. Um, again, you know... He's improved in all of these areas. There's no question about it. But you still don't want to test him all match long, especially where the stakes are as high as they were tonight, something like 37 million euros on the line tonight. That is the financial difference between going in to the Champions League group stage and not going in. And now I have to say, are we done selling? Please, no more selling. If we need to loan players because there isn't a place for them in this team, that I'm okay with. Do not sell any more young players, please. We don't need it, okay? I hear we may even go get some players. I've said it before. I heard Gustavo, Gom- uh, Gustavo Gomez of uh, of Palmeiras is a name that I'm hearing, okay? Um, we'll see. I'm sure in the next couple days what's left of this month of August, okay? The week that remains. We're going to, now with Benfica knowing they're getting this influx of cash, you're going to start to hear the transfer mill move and, and, and turn. And I know we just picked up a Serbian player. I think his name was Radonovic, um, a winger, a winger or a forward. I don't know much about him. Um, no one I talk to regularly uh, in the Benfica sphere uh, knows too much about him. Uh, but we'll see. I have a wait-and-see attitude about him. Uh, it could turn out to be a very good signing. It could be someone that we don't, we forget we even have. I don't know. So we'll see We'll see how that works out. He's probably a – I'm going to hope that if we're selling Luka and we're bringing him in, he is a player that's going to fit this system better than Luka did, okay? So I'm assuming he's not the same exact player. It's not a like-for-like. Like. I'm assuming he's someone who can play – in a five-man or a four-man midfield, in a three-four-three or a three-five-two, and can cover those those different spaces and knows what to do in those situations. That's my my hope right now. Uh, Adele frustratedly gets a foul in the twenty-fourth, taking down Gapko, 
And then Max Philip Max gets in again, but this time he is uh he plays the through ball in actually to Ramayu, the center back, but Ramayu had gotten just a little bit ahead and he was offside. That was on the ensuing kickoff after the Adele Tarapt foul. Benfica with an opportunity in the 27th from Alex Grimaldo, of course, set up by Rafa. Rafa had a, a hard-working match. He didn't line up as deep as I thought he was going to or as I had predicted or hoped even. He played further up the pitch, but it worked because because that trio of Weigel, Grimaldo, and, and Moratu were able to protect that space. It didn't require Rafa to retreat so far. So he got he got his work in him, and... Again, he's a. I love when we play in Europe because the hack Rafa, the the casa Rafa, um, hunting Rafa method of defending is not utilized. And um, I was getting to say earlier why I thought Benfica managed to hold on to this result and what the difference between Portuguese and Dutch teams are that JJ didn't really answer. I began to say the weak. The Dutch are not able to play against. A, a deep lying, you know, team that's not that interested in getting the ball and going forward all the time. It's a, it frustrates them, and it showed as the match went on. They got more and more frustrated and less and less creative, and started trying to do the same predictable things over and over. That is how you stymie a a speed based team: is you keep them in front of you and you neutralize them and you make them do something other than what they're highly successful in. Had Benfica pressed high and made space in behind like they did in the first leg, I don't think we come out of here tonight with a clean sheet. I don't think we I don't think we advance, I'll be honest with you. If we had thrown too much caution to the wind and risked, even if we scored, I don't think we came out of this match, especially with 10 men, with a result to advance if we had not have had the mentality we had to not take many chances. Rafa has an opportunity of his own, but it's blocked in the 27th by Ramayu. But it goes for a corner now. Um, the corner eventually gets defended, and it is played out. Goza wins a free kick, takes it quickly. And fast forward 30 seconds up the pitch. Goza crosses. It's him on it again for Cody Gapko. Cody Gapko has a header from the center of the box, but it is blocked by Nicolas Otamendi. Befica tonight, so good at blocking shots. Georges Jesus deserves credit and his staff and whoever the performance analyst is and his staff. I know it used to be Johnny de Conceição um, when Bruno Lage was the manager and Johnny de Conceição is an awesome dude. And he's actually, I'm not going to lie, he has actually responded to questions of mine in the past about performance analysis and about different trends, different things you see. He actually has taken the time to answer my, my Facebook inbox questions before. He is an awesome dude. He's at Wolves with Bruno Lage now. But the performance analyst, this is his main job, is to look at what PSV do, as well as his own team. But in a, in preparation for a match like this, he's going to look at what PSV do. And the scouting report that was given to this team was on point because Benfica blocked so many shots today. They they were in the spaces that PSV wanted to go into. Okay. PSV was getting frustrated. They're, you could see it on the look of their supporters. As the match went on, they started thinking, we're not going to break this team down. And that's because they don't see this type of opponent in their league. They can be as proud as they want about playing progressive, attack-minded, free-flowing football. Even the bottom 
top-tier teams in the league play this 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 method of um, free-flowing, attack-minded, progressive football, right? We play conservative football. And uh, that's just semantics. Attaching words like progressive and conservative to sporting mentalities is just people um, honestly showing just how brainwashed people, I want to say brainwashed in, just how obsessed people are with in this current world we live in with political jargon because they started they start attaching this those labels to things that have nothing to do with politics and they start making politics out of football and you get people saying things like they'd rather lose playing playing brave and playing artistically than than advance playing conservatively which is insane absolutely insane the point of the of the game is to win in advance all right, I'm off the soapbox now. But, um, again, Benfica tonight, whenever called on to defend, so many times they were helping each other. The back line was getting help from the midfielders, getting help from the outside players. So many shots blocked tonight by Benfica. Okay, so we move now to the 31st minute, and that's when it happens. Nani uh, Madweke finds Cody Gapko, and Cody Gapko is fouled. I know the forearm was extended, but come on. In a European match, in a standard of which we're used to a certain standard of refereeing in Europe. I expect a yellow card for this in Portugal. I don't expect it in Europe. We don't normally see that, but just a minute over a half hour, and Lucas Verissimo's night is over. And how many of us' heart just sank, our stomach, like, just came out at that moment. Our best defender is sent to the showers. And right away, I'm screaming at the television. I'm screaming to JJ. Andre Almeida for Tarapt. This is what I thought he was going to do. Admittedly, this is what I would have done. and Because I've talked about Andre Almeida's role in this team going forward is going to be more of an emergency role as a right center back. Here is our emergency. That exact emergency happened. I, I thought we were going to get Andre Almeida to go slot into Verissimo's spot. Everything else stays the same in the back five, and we play with five in the back. JJ had other ideas. Credit to JJ because it worked. It worked, and it was an easy transition. One of the advantages of playing a three-man back line is it so easy to switch from three to four? Anybody can play a four-man backline in their sleep. A flat back four, eight-year-olds are learning how to play that now in, in seven-a-side football. I mean, literally, the flat back is, is so common now. Uh, the flat back four, so common. These players have been playing it their whole life. It costs nothing. It takes nothing to swap and go from a three-man to a four. In the other direction, going from a four to a three, it is a process. It is something that needs to be worked on. It is something that needs to be done through repetition. Uh, movements and, and communication has to be perfect. You have to know your partners perfectly. But in the reverse direction, from three to four, easy. And um, JJ decides, I don't know if he decided at that moment or if he decided at halftime. I think he might have tried to hold on as was. For the first half, for the rest of the first half, because he doesn't make the switch, uh, he goes to a, he just drops, he just takes, um, he takes Gilberto, slides him back to right back, 
Okay, he pulls Grimaldo back from a wing back into a traditional left back, and Otamendi and Moratu play as a as a pair, and it worked. It was it was it it also changed the look. I like this because I believe Roger Schmidt prepared to play against a three man back a back three back five whatever you want to call it. They that that format is what he was prepared for, and I think when we went to four. PSV needed a little bit of time to adjust. Okay. Yes, they pushed hard through the first half. And yes, Benfica were on the ropes almost the entire match. And, you know, you could see the mentality was let's just get to halftime where we can regroup. JJ decides to save the substitution, not make it. In the end, it's the right decision. And so far, through seven matches, say what you will. And I haven't liked them all. But at the end of the day, he's gotten just about all of them right this season so far. This one he got right as well. You may not like the man. I know a lot of you are, are retweeting the video of him absolutely losing his mind, screaming at Gonzalo Ramos for not understanding something. But you know what? It's the old JJ. It's the JJ that was great. And I feel like he, he's re, regaining some of his old, you can call it nastiness. He's also wearing a, a suit again. Do you realize he's wearing a button-up in slacks? The tracksuit JJ's not here. The tracksuit JJ was unfocused. The tracksuit JJ was was you know um, uninterested even. And no, we got our we got our jacket and and, and button down shirt JJ back. We got the slacks wearing JJ sneakers with the slacks. This is this is the JJ that won the Copa Libertadores. This is the JJ that took us to two Europa League finals. I'm not saying he's at that level yet, but he's he's trending back in that direction. And he's getting his decisions right. So he gets it right here to switch to a back four. Lots of pressure here from PSV to close out the first half. Uh, Madweke with an opportunity. Gapko with an opportunity. But you know what? Every single time, Otamendi, uh, Moratu, Gilberto, even Tarapt is getting in on the blocking action. Tarapt blocked a shot. From Goza, that he just outstretched with everything he had, and he blocked it. Benfica blocking shots left and right, getting to halftime. They do, they do what they need to do. They get to halftime, nil nil. All right, and we don't see any changes in the first half. JJ, I think him and João de Deus and their team at halftime probably analyzed the situation, and said, "Let's see if we can go a few more minutes like this before we change the look on him." Because once we change. The key is when you're the team that's not chasing the result, here's the advantage you have. Every change you make, the other team has to react to because they're the ones that are chasing the result. You get to play, you know, you get to play chess and you get first move every time. Um, had this been, had this tie been, you know, this, this round been tied, had it been a 2-2 first leg or... Or a 1-1 first leg, it had been a different story, okay? But because Benfica are ahead in the tie, JJ has an advantage in what moves he's going to make in the chess match, if you will. Uh, so he waits. He holds off. He's going to hold off on making that first one, and it ends up being smart, okay? Uh, and Benfica do adjust. And PSV still realizing they're playing against the back four. They changed some of their processes. They changed some of their some of their you know um, their intentions. They changed some of their ball movements, some of their player movements without the ball. And then it comes 
53rd minute, JJ moves the first piece on the chessboard. And this is a great substitution. Jan Vertonghen for Adele Terapt, okay? Jan comes in. Another center back, okay? <laughs> great, great change, okay? I wasn't sure what we were going to get from Jan. But JJ also knows that this game can go to 120. And I think that's why he held off and didn't make this change at halftime. He went another 10 minutes. Because you're bringing a guy in on injury, and you don't want to be um, you don't want to be uh, Garrett Southgate and sub in a player and then sub him off again in extra time. Okay, you don't want that. You don't want to waste a substitution like that. So he held off, but finally Adele's do- jo- uh, day is done. Adele Tarap is done in the 53rd. Vertonghen comes in clear tactical switch, and now the chess game begins because now he's taken one out of midfield, slid him into the back. What's he going to do with the other guys is the question now. And if you're PSV, you have to look and analyze the situation. And for a little while, PSV is going into a wall now because we've made a change. And that is good. That buys us minutes. And minutes are valuable in 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 this game, in this situation, in this round. As the manager of the team that's ahead, you're going to trade possession for minutes all day now. Okay, because every move you make eats up a little more time, kills a little more momentum, right? So, if you can even get on the front foot a little bit here, and in the 57th, we get an opportunity. Yarmachuk has a right-footed shot from outside the box, but it's a little too high, and this was one that he really messed up. Yarimchuk was wrong on this play. Benfica broke out. Grimaldo had moved up. When Vertonghen came in, Grimaldo moved further up the pitch again, okay? And, um, again... This was a change that Madweke didn't adjust well to because now he's being defended by Jan Vertonghen, Super Jan, who is not the paciest player, but it has so much, so much like a Giorgio Chiellini, has so much experience and is so intelligent. He knew exactly what he had to do and what he could not even try to do. He didn't try to do anything outside of his possibilities, outside of his realm. He knew they had a result to hold. He's been in this situation. He's tried and tested. So it allows some forward move, movement from from uh, from Grimaldo. And in this one, Grimaldo's breaking down with Yarumchuk. It's two on two. Yarumchuk, if he plays the ball into space and behind at the right time, Grimaldo is in and he's on a break. And really, quite honestly, Yarumchuk, if he sends that ball and continues his run, it's two on zero oh against the goalkeeper. Okay, and it's probably an easy tap in that he's going to get back on the other end because they're going to attack two on on O. PSV is going to be chasing. Okay, once the goalkeeper commits, all Grimaldo has to do is slide it square into the path of Yadimchuk to tap into the empty goal. Yadimchuk decides. I don't know if the defender feigned his step uh, right at the very last second into that passing lane where he needed to put the ball for. For Grimaldo, I don't know if the defender made a little bit of a juke, a little bit of a a move into that direction that spurred uh, Yadimchuk to go to his right rather than to pass it to his left, the defender's right. And as soon as he did that, the passing angle was gone, and the defender, I think it was, I think it was Hamayu, just closed down the angle and ran side by side with him like this, okay, and just didn't allow the angle. And finally, uh, Yadimchuk with a a far inferior angle than he would have had otherwise puts it over the bar. And then JJ brings on Gonzalo Ramuz on, on the hour mark. He brings on Gonzalo for Yarimchuk, and he brings on Andre Almeida for Gilberto. Good move. 
This is much more of a back uh, four. Um, I mean, I should say this is much more under Almeida's situation. The back four suits him much more than it suits Gilberto. And the uh, back three suits Gilberto much more than, than, than double A. So I think this is a smart situation. Um, he got what he could. He got the minutes out of, of Gilberto. And he got to the point in the match, I think, where he was comfortable putting Andre Almeida in and knowing he could go 60 minutes. He could go the rest of the way. And I think that's why he held off until 60 to make this change. Uh, and it worked out. Andre Almeida, you know, was 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 fine, serviceable, not beaten t- too many times, and not really beaten at all, like dangerously. In the 61st, though, right after is the one little slip up as Cody Gopko gets in in between Vertonghen and Otamendi, or in between, sorry, in between Vertonghen and uh, Moratu. He finds the space in there, slides it across the face of goal. Odi's beaten; he's got no chance. But the Israeli Iran Zahavi. Puts it off the bar. And when I saw that, my heart stopped for a second. And I breathed and I told my little boy, I told my five-year-old, this might be our day, son. This might be our day. And then I went on to explain to him how today, Benfica could possibly win 0-0. Could win 0-0. Very confusing for a five-year-old to try to understand. But I explained to him that uh, that bar was our best friend and that I thought Odie should do a pull-up onto it and give it a kiss because it saved Mefica there. Uh, Romayu with an attempt still in the 61st minute. Right for the shot from inside the box. Saved by Odiseish. 62nd minute, Zaravi with a left-footed shot. This one was blocked by Otamendi. Uh, 62nd minute, Martin Van Ginkel shot from outside the box. Blocked by Moratu. Again, Mefica just in the right spot defensively all match long. Why can't they defend like this all the time? If we don't concede goals and we defend like this, I know we we don't even have to commit like this to defending in most matches. In the teams we play in our league, we don't have to commit this this full on to defending. And um really, we should not we should not be allowing many goals because our players proved tonight that they can defend, and they prove they can defend in more than one system of play. This team is looking better and better every time we play. We're also getting deeper and deeper. And if we go and get two or three more signings of high quality, this team is going to be very, very tough to beat in Portugal. Okay, so moving on now. Boscagli sees a yellow card in the 63rd for a foul on Rafa. Uh, Weigel fouls Gapko. He doesn't go in the book today. Um, João Mario does go in the book, though, in the 65th. This was disappointing because this is a guy we needed. Whenever we, and it happened so many times, we're pressed back so far. And unless we can find Rafa who can dribble out of that trouble, and he did a few times. He he broke out on the dribble, allowed us to get out to play a little further up the pitch. Okay, I know I said I don't want to be too high, but you can't be in your box. You need to move up as a unit and establish that, line of confrontation, you know, get yourself at least to that line of confrontation that you want to have. Shomadiu was huge also. When we could get the ball on his feet, for the most part, he was able to buy us time. He's also able to buy us rest, okay? In a match like this, when you're penned back, when you have a guy like a Shomadiu that can hold the ball and eat up seconds with, with, with his dribble, if he's dribbling and finding space, the other 10 or the other 9 in this situation are recovering, are catching their breath a little, are refocusing, reorganizing, communicating. 
And if he's able to find a pass to somebody who can find a pass to somebody else, you know, those 30 seconds become 60 or become 90. And suddenly you're not so pinned back anymore. But this yellow card really um, dampers the outlook. Although João Mario, his fitness, you know, it's it's early in the season. We've played a lot of minutes. We've played a lot of matches. Um and it looked like he was starting to run out of gas. He did a lot of defensive work today, too. The whole entire team really uh, spent the majority of their tank on defensive work without the ball today. And that needs to be commended. You know, sometimes you think that's going out of the game. In the 69th, um, Roger Schmidt makes a triple substitution. On comes Armando Obispo for Olivier Boscagli. Center back for center back. Same switch he made in the first leg, interestingly enough. Yorbe... Yorbe Vertessen replaces Nani Madweke. And I don't know. I don't know that I would make this substitution. I don't care how bad it's going for Madweke. When you got that kind of pace against Ayan Vertongen, I would I would keep him in there because it only takes one through ball to get him turned around, to get him in behind. Um, but Roger Schmidt thinks otherwise, brings on Yorbe Vertessen. And, of course, the former sporting player Bruma comes on. He replaces Mar- Marco Van Ginkel. So this is an attacking midfielder or a wide forward for a pivot. So that changes the look on, on PSV. But Benfica adjusts. And, and Georges Zouge, like I said, has the advantage. So Schmidt makes a move. Georges Zouge already has the counter ready. Miete comes in in the 73rd for Rafa. And in an interesting move, Everton Cibolina comes in for João Mario. And I like this change. At the time, I, I didn't. Um, uh, I thought we were asking a lot of Everton to drop him into that deep deeper uh, midfield role. But Everton had a really good quarter of an hour here on the pitch. He was huge. He was so crucial in this result. He became that guy that could take that ball out of space. And actually, um, here, the substitutions were put in this way. But I really think... It was more a switch of Everton for for Rafa and Miete for João Mario. That's really the changes that were made. It went in the book as I had read it first. But no, Miete is going to partner up next to Julian Weigel. Okay, he's going to drop into that midfield role. Rafa had run, uh, you know, a ton of kilometers. He had, he had put in a hard day's work. And Everton, who has similar qualities, slightly different type of player, but can do the same job, just do it. With, diff- with a different skill set, um, comes in. And he was good today. He was very good at alleviating pressure, of taking the ball into space. He even had an opportunity to score for us. The shot just didn't come off his foot well. Um, that's what's missing in his game right now, really. If he was shooting well, we'd be talking about how good Everton Sobolinha is right now. The way he was shooting at the end of last season. Because he's getting those one-on-one isolations, okay? Those one-on-one uh opportunities to dribble he's getting it on the left cutting on to his shooting right foot and getting shots they're just not coming off his foot well now uh, he had an opportunity here not long after coming on but it was saved by the goalkeeper it was right it was right down the middle uh had he put that in one of the corners if he could maybe go ahead here and it is checkmate at that point all right, Gonzalo Ramos working hard defensively picks up a yellow card in the in the 81st minute for basically rugby tackling uh, Andrea Romayu. But uh, again, I like that it allowed Benfica to set up and go ahead and take a set piece from from inside the center circle and try to lob it into the box where we have all nine field players. Go for it. And that's exactly what PSV did. Again, running out of ideas. Not used to playing against a team that's setting up this way. Setting up this deep and refusing to come out and to give you space to pass to. 
So what they do is what instinct becomes, you know, the natural instinct to try to lob it over the top. Well, every time they did that, Befico were ready. They'd either head it clear or it'd go over, and Odiseas would come out and get it. Odie would, was was on his game 100% today. And um, 84th minute, it was another one, and it was Vertessen with a right-footed shot, and this was the double save that was fantastic from from Odiseas. Uh, he makes it in the bottom right corner, and then he ends up getting up quickly and saving the rebound, which was both of them were taken by Vertessen. Uh, Odie, huge in this match. I mean, he he earned his spot. He earned, get that 99 off his back and slap the number one on him. I know Svilar is wearing the number one still, but he's the B-team goalie. Have them switch numbers. Put the 99 on Svilar. Uh, Odie has earned that number one jersey now. Um Weigel, monstrous game for him. He earns a free kick in the defensive half in the 84th. He's fouled by Ramayu. Ramayu shown the yellow card here, the frustration foul. And you can see PSV coming undone. Uh, you got a free kick for uh, Aaron Z- uh, Zahavi here in the 87th minute. Uh, the He puts it right into the wall. And another substitution for PSV in the 88th. Double substitution, Jordan Teze. Comes on for Philip Max. And Ryan Thomas comes on for Philippe Mouigny. It's all or nothing now for the Dutch side. Uh, they are sending everybody forward. And Ryan Thomas has shown a yellow card in the 90th minute for descent. Uh, Zerhavi gets another opportunity here in the 90th plus one. A free kick. Dangerous position. But the wall does its job. Times its jump perfectly. And Andre Almeida gets ahead to it and deflects it out for a corner. The corner is well defended. And it ends up being a handball called on Mario Goza. Odiseas Vlacodimo shown a yellow card for time wasting in the 90th plus 3. But that's all she wrote. Uh, three minutes later after um, PSV basically out of gas and out of ideas. Unable to break Benfica down. Referee blows his whistle three times for full time at 90 plus 5. Benfica advance to the Champions League group stage. Let's go to the goal point and let's take a look at how this match was rated. I purposely did not look at these ratings ahead of time. I really am interested to see how goal point rated this match. Um, I know what I saw with my eyes, but, uh, you know, they're using science and mathematics to come up with these ratings. So there you see the the... Benfica, and it says <laughs> the headline is the the bus and Odiseas bring 37 million euros to Benfica. That's right. Uh, parking the bus, nice plug there for the for the network. The parking, you know, I have no problem with that because this is the parking the bus network. Benfica parking the bus very well today. Nothing wrong with that. That's how you advance sometimes in Europe. All right, so let's go through the ratings quickly as we are running out of time here tonight. Uh, the XG for PSG was 1.9, and they failed to to convert any of their opportunities. Dromo, the goalkeeper, 5.4. Moene, 6.2. Ramayu, 6.3. Boscagli, 5.4. And Max, 5.7. Gapko, Gakpo, sorry, 7.6. Sangare, 7.7. He was their best player today, according to this algorithm. Goza, 6.6. Van Ginkel, 5.5. And Medweke, the guy I had I had uh, a target on. Well, he was he was well defended today and well stopped. And it was it was a 4.4. Disappointing 
uh, performance for the young Englishman. But I'm sure we're going to hear his name again in world football. Sahavi 5.8. Furbank, oh, off the bench also. Obispo, 5.4. Vertessen, 5.4. Bruma, 4.9. He talked a big game before this, uh, before these two matches. And now he's got nothing to say, obviously. Uh, he thought he was going to come in here, be the hero, send Benfica home, and send some kind of anti-Benficista me- message back to his cronies at Alvalade. Didn't happen. Bye-bye, Bruma. Enjoy the Europa League. All right. So for Benfica, XG was 0.8. Uh, Vlacudimos, he was the man of the match on this algorithm. 7.8. Uh, very, very good performance from, from Odie, of course. Uh, Lucas Verissimo, 4.3. He only played about a half hour. Otamendi, 6.5. Moratu, 6.2. Gribaldo, 6.8. Very good rating for him. João Mario, 4.7. Weigel, 5.8. Terraps, 5.4. Gilberto, 4.6. Yarimchuk, 5.5. Rafa, 5.7. It is what it is. Uh, take these ratings with a grain of salt, as always, of course. But Vertonghen comes in, does well, 5.7. Gonzalo Ramos, 4.3 in his his time. And Andre Almeida with a good four, 5.3. 4.9 for Mete and 5.5 for Everton. So even though Benfica, in my opinion, got a little bit weaker with every substitution they made, they stayed ahead of the game by changing the look every time and forcing PSV to change. Let's take a look here. Uh, it's funny that they have o- they have Odie's heat map here. This is hilarious. Eight saves, though. Uh, three of them coming from inside the box and two of them from very close. He had a 31% pass efficiency. It's hilarious, actually, that goal point is putting this for a goalkeeper. Look at that heat map. Of course, it's red hot in the six-yard box. I spent 30 minutes earlier talking about how uh, we have a goalkeeper who needs to stay between the posts and we need to play a deeper back line as a result. Okay. He attempted 12 long passes and, and accurately hit three. I don't care about any of that. He kept the ball out of the net. That is his job, and he did it well. Okay, we're going to move ahead here to the statistics now. All right, uh, real quick. 21-4, to four, the shots advantage to PSV. PSV, very inefficient, okay? Eight of them on goal, all eight saved by Odie. Actions in the opponent's area, penalty area, 29-10 to 10 in favor of PSV. Uh, six corners to two in favor of PSV. Pass efficiency. PSV had all the efficiency. 8.3. Uh, sorry, 83%. Benfica, only 66%. Really low for them. Vertical pass efficiency, uh, 66% for PSV. Benfica, a woeful 43. But that's, that's you know, kind of misconstrued because a lot of those quote-unquote vertical passes were clearances to nobody. Remember, Benfica playing for an hour down a man. So all of these statistics are of no interest to Benfica. The only remember they're winning at the start of the match. Okay, Benfica commit twelve fouls. PSV fourteen. I had skipped over the defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. This is almost even thirteen to eleven. An advantage to PSV, but only a slight advantage. This is it's a lot. It's a very high work rate from Benfica to be able to get uh, that many defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, of course, possession there. And this sums up what I think of possession and what it's worth because PSV in their 71% possession, I think they might still have the ball all these hours later. Guess where they're going? They're going to the Europa League and us in our 29% possession. We're going to the Champions League. And my friends, what a match. What a performance. What a gut-wrenching performance. They gutted it out. And these are the matches you remember. And I put on Twitter how I fell in love with this this combination, this kit, this alternate like random combo kit they put together today. 
it all added to the luster, all added to the magic of this matchup. Okay, the fact that Benfica came out white, white jerseys, white shorts, and red socks. I loved it. Uh, had the numbers been red, it would have been perfect. But of course, the numbers are black. But that is what it is. I loved it. It's just one of those things. We're always going to remember the time Benfica played white, white, red. And uh, with 10 men for an hour, held on and eliminated the, the Dutch side. That's going to do it, my friends. Thank you for joining me. In a couple hours, I'm waking up. I'm getting in the car, and I am driving about 10 to 12 hours to Virginia Beach. I cannot wait. All right, I'll be back this weekend. I'll be back Sunday with more content, okay? We'll review Benfica's upcoming match this week in the Liga Nage. All right, Benfica playing Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States, which is 10 a.m. on the West Coast, 6 p.m. in Portugal, the time they've been playing this season. They're home against Tondela. We'll see you then. Okay, we'll see you Sunday. Thank you for joining me. This has been Mr. Benfica, episode 123. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Check out www.mrbenfica.com. Check out uh, my Twitter, at Mike Agustinu. Check out the show's Twitter, at Benfica Mr. Check out the Instagram, at Mr. Benfica. And I'll see you Sunday. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night.